everyone. We're so glad that you're back. My name is Shiv. And I'm Shay, and this is the Shiv and Shay podcast. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We are yeah, yeah. so glad that you've come back. If you're new here, we just want to welcome you. And if you're a mm-hmm. frequent listener, thank you so much for coming back. We're always so grateful for everyone who listens, gives us feedbacks, and even topic suggestions as well. Yeah, and we really hope that you enjoyed our last episode about Shiv's journey of getting married in a pandemic. And today we have another special guest who we will introduce to you shortly. Yes, so as it is Mental Health Awareness Month, we thought that we would get an expert in to kick off this mental health series. Um, So we want to introduce you to Abs very shortly. Yes, but before she says hi, I just want to give you a little bit of background about Abs. Um, Both Shiv and I grew up with her um, and she was our guest for Girl Talk last year. But also, I used to be her youth leader. Mad. Okay. And fun fact, <laughs> yeah, Abs yeah. and I used to sing together at a little thing called Blueprint Youth. So shout out anyone from Blueprint whoa, whoa, Youth. Whoa, 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 whoa. And I was actually honoured, so, so honoured to sing at Abs's wedding a few years ago. Yeah, Ooh. real life thug tears right now. Um, but yes, <laughs> let us introduce, formally introduce, Abs. Hey. Hey. That's, that was such a good like build up. I was getting excited. <laughs> There's so much we could say about you. <laughs> but literally, honestly, literally. Abs, Abs, we're so glad that you are here. Let us know a little bit about yourself and what you do. Okay, so um, obviously the reason that I'm on today for mental health is that I'm a psychotherapist. So I specialise in cognitive behavioural therapy or CBT. And I mainly do that with 11 to 25 year olds at a clinic in Oxford. But I also work in schools and stuff as part of my other job, which is youth pastor at Encounter Church, which is an Elam church in Birmingham. So I try and do mental health stuff and youth stuff all the time. So this is great. Amazing. So Abs, thank you for letting us know a little bit about your background. I know that Shay and I are definitely in good hands today in terms of feeling looked after, our our mental well-being. Um, Mm -hmm. But Abs, before we um, get started, we always play a game with our guests. And we do this thing called This or That, which you know, you're very familiar (laughs) with. You know, we would have done it before at Girl Talk. You know, it might have been a bit controversial, but it is well. So we're going to do a quick fire round. Abs. Shay, are you going to try to to preempt Abs's... Abs. (laughs) I'm just going to let you know, the last question matters. And don't say both. Just throwing that one out there. Hmm. We don't want to give her any clues. Hmm. We don't want to give her any clues. But, so yeah, you know the deal. So we're going to play a quick game of this or that. Are you ready, Abs? Yeah, ready as I'll ever be. Fantastic. Remember, it's quick fire, so please, no hesitation. No, uh, okay. All right, you ready? Uh-huh. So first one is cooking or eating? Eating. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Silver or gold? Gold. Comedy or rom-com? Comedy. African food or Caribbean food? African food, love, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) If only you could see my head right now, I shook my head. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, it's okay. Theatre or cinema? Ooh, theatre. Well done. And eating out or there's rice at home? Eating out. (laughs) I'm bad. Hey. There's rice at home, sis. Yeah, but restaurants, though. 
Um, plantain or plantain? Plantain. Why do you always ask me this question? I'm trying to be controversial here because you answer, you answer it wrong nah, every single I time. It the way. <laughs> okay, next one. How do you like your steak? Good question. Oh, medium rare. Okay, mm. good. Trainers or heels? Heels. Reading the book or watching the film? Reading a book. What is your dream holiday destination? I think Bali. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Um, next one is cat or dogs? Dogs. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I'm, losing, I'm losing friends with every podcast and every time I ask this question, I'm losing friends. Okay. Uh, we've got two more left. Um, are you messy or are you tidy? I can't answer that one. I'm both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I'm both. It's fine. There's I'm no judgment. Both. And last one, the most Drum important one. Uh-huh. The penultimate. No, not the penultimate. The one after the oh. penultimate. <laughs> the ultimate. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Shiv or Shay? Shivon. Yay! 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 Good answer. <laughs> I think last time we had someone Josiah answered Jesus right he said Jesus yeah so it's cool anyways abs that's great um and we're gonna get into today's episode like Shiv said we want to touch on the topic of mental health and this topic has actually been highly requested by so many of our listeners and we're aware that you know worldwide people are starting to you know tackle the importance of mental health including you know myself and Shay as well and um, so before we do go on Shay I have a question have you had any recent encounters that made you consider you know your mental well-being especially during lockdown yeah do you know what I was actually thinking uh, about this question um, as we was preparing for this episode, and actually, I, I want to quickly go back before lockdown, mm. um, and just talk about two things really quickly. So, definitely, as a teenager, I was depressed, but I didn't realize I was depressed until I started studying more about mental health, mm. and I was like, I realized some of the triggers that I had, mm. um, and the signs of depression. But actually, I remember one time, Shiv, and I don't know if you remember. Mm. Um, I was at home and I had to go, I was getting ready for work and I somehow lost my house keys mm. in my house, which makes no sense. I couldn't find them and I was running late and I got myself into this big whirlwind. Mm. And I remember like, as that was happening, I, I felt like I was, uh, for lack of a better word, I felt like I was losing my mind. I just wasn't in a good mind set. And I remember calling you, breaking down and, and, and I think I think I was like, Shiv, I need help. But that was a big moment for me because actually it was over something small, but me losing the key was a trigger and it escalated to something bigger because of all the other things that was happening around me. And I I realised at that moment when I was upset, instead of doing something silly at that moment, I was like, let me call someone to get out of this, someone to talk positivity into me or, or tell me actually it's going to be okay so that I can be fine and I think we prayed together and then even as I walked to work I was struggling because I needed to breathe and stuff like that but actually that anxiety attack that panic attack or or whatever it was that day was quite big and I think that's the biggest sort of mental health problem or or issue that I've had um, and that I really acknowledge and I think throughout lockdown I've had ups and downs but I've made sure that I've spoken to people 
just to keep on the positive. I don't know if that makes any sense, but what about you, Shiv? Like, what is your experience with mental health? Do you know what? You bringing it up now, I actually remember the exact moment and I remember being in the office and I remember you coming in and us talking. So that, that some of these memories, they just never leave. Um, so thanks for sharing. And for me, like I shared in our previous podcast, uh, in lockdown especially, mine was dealing with, you know, panic attacks and anxiety mm. attacks. And, and I... I realised um, that they were happening more frequently. Yeah. And for me, I saw it as a, a sort of result of, you know, um, stress with the wedding, you know, a lot of going through a lot of change. Because obviously I was someone who was living at my house for, you know, 27 years and now getting ready to move out and, you know, be married, you know, living with this man and a whole changing environment. But also like, you know, not having any control in the the wedding and stuff. So so for me, I realised that when I was going through a panic attack, obviously at the time, I just thought like, oh, I just feel a little bit unwell. Sometimes I feel really like emotional. Um, other times my chest is really tight and I can't breathe properly. Uh, I remember one time that I shared last time, like I was in the car and I was at the traffic lights and suddenly I just felt so just like an overwhelming sense of just, you know, like sadness, like crying mm. in my car whilst trying to drive. Um, and then recognising, okay, I'm having a panic attack. Whereas before, I just thought, like, I'm just really down, I'm really low, like, this is, you know, life is just tough or whatever. So for me, it was, you know, the, the anxiety attacks, but then through, like, talking to people, you know, um, letting people know, okay, I had a panic attack today, so they could, you know, just stop and pray, um, recognising what my triggers were. And I remember very significantly, you know, speaking to someone who also works with um, within, like, sort of, like, CBT. And she basically said, you know... Um, like anxiety is just a normal thing that like everybody mm. we're human at the end of the day so we will have you know feelings of you know being anxious because it's just a, a human you know emotion that we we have to deal with but it's about managing them and recognizing your triggers and I then got to a place where okay I know what my triggers are now my triggers are you know change feeling stressed feeling like hopeless or things are like not in my control and recognizing them and being able to sort of like counteract them mm. um so yeah so that that was that was my experience um and and abs i'd love to hear from you do you have any experience at all you know someone who is um like someone who works in the mental health profession have you had any sort of encounters uh, yourself yeah so i'd say um it's really interesting actually hearing um from you like shay when you said for example you were a teenager and you experienced depression but you didn't know what it was and i think for me um i realized that i had difficulties with my mental health when i started studying psychology um mm. so often people like the young people that i work with they want to get more involved in mental health because they've they know that they've experienced negative um, things in their mental health mm. but I actually had no idea that I had um that I felt very anxious just the whole way through sixth form and that I would like pick up loads of things to do sort of as a way of distracting myself and it's a it's a mechanism that I know that I have now um and that I can sort of catch myself out in um and I'd say lockdown when it started um last year that's when I really noticed how much easier well, well I put easier in quotes but you can't see me how much <laughs> easier um I found it 
to just bury myself in stuff to do rather than like no like really notice that I felt trapped at home mm. that like so I would volunteer myself for everything for online church for youth I'd put out all these different things for the young people to do they didn't have time to do all that stuff <laughs> I was just planning and trying to overcompensate I think for the fact that I felt a bit helpless like obviously with the uncertainty of how long we're going to be in lockdown for and life changed so much so fast and one of my like unhelpful coping mechanisms you could say is like I just bury myself in stuff to do Mm. um and it's when I start to get like physically drained from that that I notice that oh yeah no I'm not coping very well actually I'm quite overwhelmed and I have to dial right back so definitely over lockdown I've been through many phases where I feel like I've I've clocked it I know what I'm doing I'm fine and then something else will happen or I'll notice something else and like, actually maybe that's not so helpful so it's definitely been a really um I don't know illuminating part of my journey with my own mental health for sure um and as part of that in September I started seeing a therapist myself which has been really interesting um and obviously as a therapist I recommend therapy but as someone who has been experiencing it I doubly do I guess um yeah you know sometimes like when people say like oh like you're good at giving advice but you can't take your own advice yeah. like, do you find that you because I know you just recommend like as a therapist getting a therapist but do you take your own advice sometimes like the stuff that you're sharing to like your you know like patients or your clients and stuff do you find yourself being able to do that yeah, so that that's a that's a great question to be honest because I had a supervisor when I was training who really lived by do not tell anyone to try any technique that you haven't tried yourself. Oh wow. Um and so I really try and do that as much as possible. I'll be like reading up about oh it's really good for example to take a really hot bath at night if you're struggling with sleep because if you have a routine of having like a hot bath or shower then your pulse slows down and you're able to like Mm -hmm. gradually like your temperature goes down as you're falling asleep which is really natural and it helps Mm I have always been a morning shower person so (laughs) as I was trying to help people with sleep I realized that a suggestion that I always make is this bath shower thing and it wasn't something that I'd ever done and I struggle with sleep so I was like massive hypocrite okay (laughs) let's do this and honestly from the moment I decided to start doing it that's my routine now I have like bubble baths at night like I feel proper self-care on overload but it's really helpful um yeah so I, I really do try and and do the things that I'm suggesting but often it is as I'm speaking to someone I hear a problem and I'm like ah, it's really clear to me what could be helpful for you. But I feel like I have this problem too. And I've never thought of it this way before. So so yeah, Yeah. it's it's great. Thank you for sharing. So we've looked at triggers and situations like our own, our own sort of like lifestyle habits as well that can increase the chances of us encountering struggles in our mental health. But abs, is there anything that we can do to improve or protect our mental health? Is there anything that you want to you know, mm. say about that? Yeah, so um, I've already mentioned what I'd say is kind of one of the strongest predictors of our mental health, and it's sleep. Mm. 
Mm. I have never come across anyone that experiences like depression or anxiety and doesn't have problems with sleep, which indicates that the other way around is also helpful. If you can protect the time when you relax and when you sleep well, then that's a really good foundation for your mental health. Um, So having a good routine of when you wake up, when you go to sleep, it's really um, containing and comforting. And I think the best way for me to explain this in general is if you think about like a toddler. Mm. So when you want to look after a child, you try and make sure that they have a good routine, that they know when they're going to wake up, when they sleep, when they eat, what foods they're allowed at different times. Mm. You try and get them to see and play with other children at times. You try and make sure that they have time, they're focused on their learning. But often with ourselves, we're a lot more like, okay, I'll just do that if I have time. And we, we can be quite reactive to our environment. And it's so much more comforting for us as individuals if we can anticipate at least some of the rhythm of our day to day. Obviously, we can't control life and things come up and we have to respond to them accordingly. But we can even do that a lot better when we can say, this is different from normal. I'm going to adjust in these ways, Mm. but normally I would get to do this. So I need to also plan when I'm still going to do that so that you're still looking after yourself. And so I'd say that's a really important part of having a positive attitude towards your mental health as well. And I say that, like I've already said, my default can be to like overwork, which if you think about it, isn't a very compassionate way of treating yourself. Like you wouldn't ask someone else to overwork. Mm. You would ask them to do what they can and and leave the rest. And so I try increasingly to have this attitude towards myself as well and be realistic about what it is I'm going to be able to do and plan to do that and not plan to do like 100%, even though I've only really got the energy for 70 mm. Um And so just having that attitude that I'm going to plan to do the things that I need to do, but I'm also going to plan to recover from them Mm. as well. And having that all in your routine is really supportive. That's good. You know, you mentioned um, sleep and um, my husband, Dwayne, he was reading this book sort of at the beginning of lockdown last year um, by Matthew Walker. And it's called Why We Sleep. Sleep. And he was someone who like, you know, went around and if anyone said, you know, like, oh yeah, you know, like I'm, you know, working, working, you know, like sleep is, sleep is from the enemy and all that. Dwayne was like, no, actually sleep is so crucial. Like if without sleep, you can't function properly or, you know, your body mm-hmm. doesn't have time to recover. And actually, yeah. you know, it's more damaging when we don't sleep. And, and I, I think I found, especially um, when, if someone says, you know, like I'm struggling to sleep, that is like a good indicator of like poor mental health as well yeah so like my own my own experience when I was you know waking up three or four times in the night and this was like when I sort of first got married because I was adjusting to just you know again change and mm-hmm. um, I recognized and I think I remember speaking to you about it abs on one of our catch-ups about like how I was struggling to sleep and stuff mm-hmm. um, and I think it did tie down to um you know the trigger being change new environment you know new smells new routine that kind of yeah, thing yeah 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 um, so in in experiencing that it kind of helped me with other people and they say like oh i'm not mm. really sleeping but it's fine well actually no that's something that needs to be addressed because if not you know everything is is affected yeah you know, i guess 100 you know. what would you say that um 
like lack of sleep, um, how it can, you know, affect people in other ways, apart from, you know, being extremely tired. <laughs> yeah, ways, there's are that. There, <laughs> are there other ways that it affects people? Definitely. Um, so sleep um, has like five main stages and I won't go into them in detail. But stage three is called restorative sleep. And it's what really brings you back to yourself is the best way I can describe it. So throughout the day, you're like learning things, you're you're using your body, your cells are getting tired, some cells are dying and you're needing to build new ones, usually overnight. And in stage three, that's when your body can do that best. However, you don't hit stage three sleep in the first hour and a half of being asleep. You're just going through like different cycles. So, and you need stage three sleep to happen at least twice in a night, really. But if you don't sleep enough, or if your sleep won't go deep enough, then you don't get that really important part of sleep, which means that your body's kind of carrying over work from one day to another. Um, so it's hard on your memory, it's hard on your concentration, it's harder for you to um, notice what's going on around you socially as well, because you build on the cues that you had the day before. So if you've not fully absorbed everything that happened, then you're kind of behind in your communication with like your loved ones and stuff as well. So it's a really, really important foundation for our day to day. Like sleep is is just as important as as water really when we think about our survival um because if you're I'd say I always say like the best way to torture someone is to keep them awake it's actually better than all the others Mm. and so Mm. this has been done um when people aren't able to sleep fully then they automatically take what we call micro sleeps and they kind of sleep Mm. for like 30 seconds when they blink Mm. um and so people, when they're being tortured, sometimes they will stop them from being able to take that micro sleep. And if that happens for three days, you die. Whereas you can go without water for longer than that. So, wow. so that gives you an idea of just how much sleep is doing um, in terms of our ability to function and thrive, actually. Wow. wow. I'm actually so shocked. I've always known sleep was important, but I've I've just learned how important it is. And it's funny because actually... Growing up, and Shiv, you touched on this earlier, growing up, there was there was a mindset of we grind hard and we don't sleep. The early bird catches the worm and stuff like that. And I lived by that at one point. And honestly, I could run for a period of time of a few hours of sleep every day. Mm. However, I would always crash or mm. I would compensate sleep like I would nap I love naps oh I do love a good Sunday nap but <laughs> I would I, I, sorry I used you know like actually let's talk about Sunday naps quickly yeah and then I'll go back to my point you know when, like when working for the church in between second service oh, and 5 p.m oh, evening service right. that 20 minutes nap whether it be in my house whether it be at church that refreshed me (laughs) but I needed it and I actually started to build it into my Sunday Mm. routine otherwise by the time I came to evening service and obviously as a minister we we had to talk to people and and stuff like that I was ready and prepared to speak to people when I missed Mm -hmm. that nap or when I missed that alone time I struggled with connecting with people as a result of being tired but what I was saying sorry I went off topic but Mm -hmm. you know when I was younger and I was on this mindset of grind hard, don't sleep, da 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 da, 
and I'll crash or do other things and I know a, a lot of people in sort of the urban setting do this they uh, use things to compensate sleep so they could be tired and they may take smoke weed or to to chill and calm down or, or drink mm-hmm. alcohol and stuff like that I've noticed especially within the hood I've been speaking to a lot of my friends who who are struggling from PTSD and because they're upset because they're depressed because they have this condition because of what they've seen they're now using they're, they're having a coping mechanism such as weed and alcohol but actually they're not dealing with it they're just adding to it and actually abs maybe you can touch on that like the effects of having coping mechanisms I know you touched on you with uh, working hard mm. and stuff but how does that affect our mental health? How do we come out of that cycle, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I think um, it's a really interesting one. You mentioned weed, and I can't ignore it. Basically, a lot of people, especially if you're you're struggling with sleep, it's a really common thing that people will either drink or, or, or like smoke weed to try and get, because you go into a relaxed place and you can fall asleep better. But the actual quality of the sleep, if you imagine the impact that these things have on your brain, all the processes that your brain needs to do when it's asleep can't work in that way when it's under the influence of any substance. And that includes like caffeine and nicotine, like the different things that we take in. Obviously, we've taken them in for a reason. They're going to do something to how our brain is processing different chemicals and things like that. So the effect continues when we're asleep. Um, and so it can be really helpful to try and remind people of actually what it is that your brain is doing when you're like taking a substance or anything like that. And usually what is happening is that it's blocking messages from being sent so that you don't get anxious, so that you don't remember something or whatever, which means those same processes that it's going to be trying to build in your sleep are also being affected. And so with the different mechanisms that we have, um, In therapy, I often do a functional analysis with people, and that's basically to work out what the intended purpose of their action is and what some of the consequences might be, planned or unplanned. And you can try and work out from that how much you want to rely on a a behavior. And that's not to say you'll never rely on that behavior, because actually it's usually the simpler one to do, even if it's not the best overall And you can't always pick the harder option. It's just an unrealistic thing to ask of people. But you can be more aware of which option you're picking and how frequently you want to choose that one. Mm. Um, So I, I say the same with like me and having coffee in the morning. I love coffee. I know when it's decaf. I prefer caffeine. <laughs> like, yes. let's just have it straight. But if I have like more than one coffee in a day, or if I have a coffee after 12, yeah. I know that I take longer to get sleepy in the evening. Fact, like I can argue it however which way I want, but I know what is most useful to my body. That doesn't mean that if I'm flagging at two, I never have a coffee. That's a lie. I definitely do. But I have to calculate, you know, okay, if I do this, I'm probably going to need to not watch TV in the evening because it will make it even harder for me to fall asleep later. And just like understand what it is that you're asking your body to do um when you're making all these different decisions that's so good wow hey 
getting all these little nuggets of wisdom. It's like a free therapy session that we're getting today. And our listeners are getting a free session. I love it. Um, based on based on what like you know you said, um, I wanted to ask like something general that we can all relate to right now. You know, as we're coming out of lockdown and restrictions are being eased, how can you know we other people, friends and family? How can we prioritize like good mental health? Um, that could be you know like physically, mm. emotionally. Like I know a lot of people have made some changes in their you know lifestyle during the lockdown. A lot of people have been mm. working from home who have now been told to come back into the office, or some people have been doing like weekly walks. Like I do a weekly walk with one of my friends, and it's been great. Like we've gone through every season. I'm literally yeah. every season we've had snow. We've had hailstone, we've had wind, we've had really hot weather, yeah. and it's been great. We've just walked, walked for two hours and talked, and it's been fantastic. But like, how, you know, how can we get people to prioritize good mental health as we're stepping out of lockdown? Yeah, no, that's a great question, and I think um, this is something I'm thinking about constantly for myself because, like I've mm. possibly mentioned a few times now, I have a tendency to overplan, um, mm. and one of the really tempting things to do, like, oh, things are opening up, let's see this friend, let's go to that city, let's have these people over, let's blah blah blah, and forget the impact on your bank account. Actually, we've not been doing that for ages, so we're not used to it. Um, yeah. And so, like, the biggest, like, flag I have in my head is, like, I need to be graded in my approach to the things that I do. And I'll just explain what I mean. Um, we kind of have this process in CBT that we grade everything. And that's to say you try a little bit first and then you do a bit more and then you do a bit more. And gradually your body builds up to the level that you can do more and more. Um, and you get that with, like exercise for example at first you can't lift much but if you keep going it increases um and it's similar with all the things we're trying to build in um like Shiv when you mentioned the really drastic change from being single and out in your family home to being married and in your new home with Dwayne like it's a good change but the fact that so much changed at once made it harder to cope with and I think we also need to look at, okay, what was my life like in April? And what am I asking about? What am I asking of myself for June? And is that a fair leap to go from? Actually, it might be helpful to keep my mental health walk because it's maybe something that's grounding me where I am, even though it might be harder to plan around with all the other demands that are going to be on my time. Um, and on a similar vein in that, like, Many people, you guys will know this about me because you grew up with me, but many people don't know that I'm quite introverted. Like I do struggle to be with people all the time. Um, and I struggle sometimes to like speak up. Like at first when I start a conversation, my voice can be really quiet. <laughs> and then I have to like build up to it. Um, and so going back into like massively social situations is something that actually I found really scary when they were first talking about it, um, when they released the like roadmap to coming out of COVID. I'm like so excited to see people and to, you know, get to see my family again and go to people's birthdays like in real life. But at the same time, it I was like gripped by fear with it. And I had to remind myself and like, as I was reminding other people, like patients, it helps to remind me as well. 
that I don't have to do everything all at once. Mm. And it's actually probably not wise to do that. But I started by doing something like going into the office once a week. And at first that was scary, like driving to Oxford and stuff. But then once I got there and I'd been there for half a day, I was like, oh, yeah, this is my job. (laughs) I know how to do this. Um, And it sounds so simple, but I just really I can imagine that there might be some people listening and there's stuff coming up like maybe, um, you know, 60th birthday parties or whatever. And it's like, ah, that's great. But I don't really know how to do that anymore. And that's okay. Like we're all in a very similar boat, but it will look different for us. Um, so just be aware of what it is that you're worried about and maybe break it down um, so that you don't have to do everything at once. That's really good. Amazing. That is really good what you shared. Like as you as you're speaking, like stuff just kind of keeps coming to mind, like whether it's you know, <laughs> like my own situation or just, just yeah. thinking about like the people that we work with, because you know, we all work with young people in some way or form. Um yeah. and like abs, this is probably like my final question before I touch on, you know, the ones that have been sent in. But you know, mm-hmm. with the whole pandemic and, you know, just a, a great year of change for everyone, you know, being stuck at home and actually like losing family members and jobs, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like I would say that we've all been through like some form of trauma. I don't know if you'd mm. like, you know, mm-hmm. agree, whether it's like severe or quite, you know, like minor and um, something that's mm-hmm. quite traumatic. But in terms of everyone who's dealt with trauma, do you have any like, you know, tips on like not what they can do but maybe someone who recognizes okay I think my friend is going through trauma here how can I support them like Mm -hmm. what do you do in sort of like your field of work with those who are dealing with trauma yeah yeah that's a great question um trauma work is actually fascinating to me because we all process trauma in very different ways but the patterns are very similar And it generally is a feeling of being unsafe, even when you are safe. (laughs) Like it's, it's just this constant feeling of being unsafe and on edge. And so the first thing we always start with is a process called stabilization. And that's Mm -hmm. feeling safe in your environments again. So for some people that is having smells around that are really comforting and remind them Mm. that they're safe. So, and what those smells are, depending on who you are, will be different. Like for me, I really like lavender and it reminds me of peace. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And it's an essential oil that people often use for soothing. And I really like it. I put it in my bath and everything, but some people like, it might be like, you know, the bubblegum smell. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just Mm. having things that remind you that you're safe. um, Mm. And you really can use all of your senses for that. So I've mentioned smell. Some people like having like peppermints quite a lot, because it's a really Mm. strong taste, and it can bring them back to themselves, like when they're feeling overwhelmed, Mm. or like having like blankets and cups of tea around quite a lot things that make you feel comfortable and cozy it's all about feeling safe and I go back to the toddler because actually sometimes and I'm speaking particularly to men here we can feel like we shouldn't be like getting cozy or whatever you know there's stuff to do there's things to get on with and things like that but if you think about a child 
They have so much energy. They're learning so much all the time. The demands we have as a toddler, learning to walk and talk and interact and stuff, there's a lot going on. So they nap a lot. <laughs> and we make them comfortable and we make them feel safe. And we're the same person we were when we were three years old and we need all the same things. Yeah. So it's important to look at what you have around you and work out where you can be safe, where you can breathe more deeply and like mm. un unwind properly so that you can get back up and keep doing stuff. Amazing. Wow. I'm here like taking notes of everything that you're you're saying. Um, but thank you for sharing, Abs. Um so we've had like two questions that have been sent in that people wanted to ask you. And I wondered if you could, you know, spend a few minutes, you know, touching on them. Um the first one is what I did is I just kind of threw it out there, like what does what does mental health mean to you? And uh, one one person literally said illness. And I didn't like rebuke them for saying that. I just wanted to hear the first yeah. thing, you know, without prompting what comes to your mind and the word illness came up. So I wanted to know like, why is there still like so much stigma, you know, mm. behind mental health and, you know, why is it considered an illness to some people and yeah. in some cultures? Okay. Yeah. That's a great question. This comes up for me all the time. It even came up earlier this week. And I think the main reason that we, that there's stigma around mental health is fear. Mm. So like when like illness actually is very scary, like we're humans, we realize how fragile we are and the idea of being unwell is scary. So I think with our mental health, even though I'm, I always say our mental health and our physical health are not only very linked, but they're very similar in how they work. Mm -hmm. And in the same way, yeah. if I have a bit of a cold or I feel run down, I might go to the doctor, I might just get some paracetamol. Our mental health yeah. is very similar. Sometimes we, we're not just feeling tired, but we're feeling fatigued. We're feeling quite anxious. Mm -hmm. And actually, we now need to look after our mental health as opposed to just maintain it. And when we're talking about mental health, often people might avoid talking about the things that they're doing to look after themselves as ways of looking after their mental health because they worry that it suggests that there's more of a problem than there is. Um, but anxiety is perfectly normal. We all know what it is. We all know what it feels like. Um, and so whether you're experiencing that um, constantly and there's like a day to day and it's becoming really overwhelming or whether you only felt it before a presentation, it's the same thing. So speaking about it as something severe or really scary actually just doesn't make very much sense um, because it's something that is actually really common and familiar um but mental illnesses yeah like when people's mental health I'd say is um when someone has a diagnosable mental health disorder um are also considered more scary and that's generally because we don't understand them as well. Like in our day to day, we are taught quite a lot about our bodies, even in biology and stuff. And we're taught about different types of disorders and things, but we're not really taught that much about mental health disorders and how they um, affect people unless you specifically studied psychology. <laughs> so um, that question mark can make it really difficult to even kind of get our heads around and understand. And then the way that different um, mental illnesses such as psychosis or having like bipolar disorder and things like that 
the way that they're spoken about in media is so negative that it's really difficult to see the whole picture and to remember that a person experiencing those things is still is still a person mm-hmm. um sometimes we can like recategorize people ment- like without even noticing that that's what we're doing um of and to that i'd say it can be really helpful to just read about different types of um, mental illnesses on on websites like mind because they can give quite a good explanation of what's going on for that person and help us to respond with empathy rather than fear really and I'd say that's the main um barrier that prevents us from speaking about mental health is is fear I agree with that um so much thank you for sharing it's quite interesting because actually what you said firstly about your physical health and mental health uh being connected so I I play football um and at first it was just a hobby but actually Mm. during lockdown and just being physically active was football was the most consistent thing that I had whether it be me kicking by myself or um me with my team and actually now that football's back that's the one thing I prioritize throughout the week like no one's stopping me from going football because it's one it's routine but two it gives me an opportunity just to run and, and and burn off whatever I'm thinking and feeling but when I don't play football I notice there's a dip in my mental health yeah like I just don't feel as good as I normally do and that's simply because I'm now trying mm-hmm. to be more aware between my physical and mental health um, yeah and what you said about anxiety obviously like Shiv touched on we all work with young people yeah um, and I, I I found I don't know if it's lockdown. I don't, I'm assuming mm-hmm. it's lockdown because we won't really understand the the effect of this pandemic until a few years. But I I found a lot more young people are suffering with anxiety, and yeah. we've spent time at my workplace. Like right now, we're doing we're we're doing art, um, but it's become really therapeutic because yeah. our young people are focusing on one thing, um, and we've and that they've all shared actually this is really nice and we really enjoyed it because they're focusing on one thing and they can forget about their problems yeah with that we've also included stuff where they begin to talk about their feelings because I found that actually people Mm. they're not as good as opening up with how they feel because like you said the worry the fear the stigma around it um and one of the things we try to create it at my workplace is actually this is a safe space and you should be able to speak about it, um, at least write it out because you can't keep holding everything in. That's where I found things get worse, so you need that release. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm, I'm really taking in what you're saying because I mm-hmm. think it's important. Like, I'm connecting the dots to some of my thought processes yeah. and actually this is beneficial we need to prioritize our, our, our mental health especially as people all of us work with people if we're not in a, a good mental place that has a trickling effect with the people mm-hmm. that we serve and stuff like that um so yeah but anyways <laughs> i've got a question um this is a question that uh someone sent in is how can we help someone who you believe has poor mental health this is a question that I've actually I've had from some young people have like messaged me and stuff about a friend this is happening not sure what to do and all this stuff and like first off recognizing that there's someone who might be struggling with their mental health is is really important 
Um, we, you know, as Christians, we, we know and feel that we do have a responsibility for the people around us as well. Um, and to not take that on too much, but to just notice and respond like where you can is really important. And the main things, obviously, that I guess you're looking out for, I mean, Shiv, you mentioned about people's sleep, um, eating can be a really helpful one as well. Um, when, if you're noticing that maybe someone isn't speaking about things in the way that they used to or responding as quickly as they used to. I mean, with responding, guys, I'm bad at it in general. (laughs) (laughs) But, (laughs) but, you know, if, if if you know what someone's baseline normally looks like and it's looking off, there might be some things that maybe you're questioning in your head, but we can have this barrier of sometimes like we don't want to be sounding too nosy or we don't want to bother someone or whatever. Um, so if you think about you, like what it is that would help you if you were struggling with anything, usually it's knowing that other people care, like whether or not they have the answers, whether or not they, um, can actually do anything physically, the fact that they care about you and love you and the reminder of that can be, is so, so important. So I'd say, you know, showing that you are willing to make time for someone is is really important like and I give the example if I ask how are you you're likely to say yeah yeah I'm fine and we can move on and so sometimes I ask again yeah but how are you really like what's going on just so that they know that I mean it and that there's time if they want it um rather than it was just the preamble to what I actually want to talk to you about so that can be helpful as well as like you know offering a phone call or now we can like meet for coffee or whatever but offering your time just reminds people that actually you do care about them and it can help them to open up to you about them about what they might really need Shay, you've mentioned that obviously like speaking and talking about the things that you're experiencing is helpful for you and many people have a massive barrier to doing that anyway so like kind of like how you spoke about with the young people and writing stuff down or something I like to encourage people, like, even if you don't want to talk to me about it, maybe write it down for yourself and then you can let me know <laughs> later if you want. Yeah, or yeah. just like um, maybe if I've asked you something and I think maybe you're like shrinking back or you're closing up about it, I might say, oh, it's OK. Well, if you let me know anything, I can pray for anyway. But if you want to talk to me about it at another time, like I'm still here um, yeah. because you know, sometimes in that moment, people are like, I can't say anything. But if you leave them with another in, then they might come back to you later. Um, So yeah, that can be helpful as well. But lastly, I think a really important one is demonstrating that actually, you don't carry stigmas about mental health, or if you do trying to check them as much as possible. So So being open about how it is that you're feeling Um, as much as you can so that people know that you're someone they can talk to about how they're feeling and kind of modeling that openness but also you know like if I give an example of someone who I think has been possibly feeling quite low maybe depressed and I'm like I don't know are you just tired or do you feel like you really just can't do it do you know what I mean and just sometimes bringing the conversation there so they could be like no no no, it's not that or they could be like actually yeah, yeah that that is more what I mean when I say that I'm tired or I can't do it today and it just gives people the opportunity to be real if they wanted to be 
No, I was gonna say I, I like I really love that, and I think just just to throw back this one last point with writing things down with my young people. I talk about my young people all the time. This is where I'm at, but what we done as well, we wrote things down, and then we we went outside and we burnt how they were feeling. Um, but that also gave us opportunities because I read what was personal to them because they couldn't speak it out. But it gave us opportunities, like you said, to begin to speak about certain things afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, with one of my young people, there's four questions that I ask her to answer every single day because I see them quite often. And she's gotten used to that journaling process and she's shared that she feels a lot better. Yeah. And it's just that it's being a safe base for people. Um but then on the flip side, if you're supporting someone, making sure that you have that outlet as well. Mm. So I know that, like, with work, there were times where I'm like, Shiv, can you pray for this? Mm-hmm. This is how I'm feeling because I know that as a Christian, I can't take everything on myself. And Definitely. I'm fortunate to know God. I'm fortunate to know that I can go to him with everything, but not everyone knows God and not everyone's comfortable with that. Yeah. So having that safe space. Yeah. But yeah, Abs, honestly, just thank you for all that you've shared. Like I've said earlier, there's so many, uh, there's so many gems in this podcast mm-hmm. and I can't wait to listen to it back. And think yeah. this is how I'm gonna support, or this is how I'm gonna better uh, my mental health. Okay. And I feel like every time you speak, abs, I, I learn something new. So thank you so much yeah. for for doing this. Oh, it's my pleasure, honestly. You know, Shade, you touched on um, just a second ago, like you know, us, we we are you know believers, and we believe that you know Jesus can heal our our physical bodies, you know our mental you know selves as well, and you know a scripture that came to my mind was one peter um five verse seven which says, "Cast all your anxiety onto him because mm-hmm. he cares for you, and you know for anyone who's listening who may not have a relationship with God, you know that's fine that you can still pray, use that as an outlet to just you know get any frustration just out into the open sometimes like speaking it or writing it down is is a huge um relief um, mm-hmm. and then another scripture that came to mind was philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 which says be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be known to god and the peace of god mm-hmm. which surpasses all our understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ with that being said abs we always ask our um speaker to close in prayer just to you know say a prayer over our listeners um could you you know pray for those who may be um in their own mental health crisis or even struggling uh, with their mental health yeah definitely i'd love to so um yeah, Father God, I, I thank you, Lord, for that opportunity to to talk about our mental health. Our whole being is precious to you, Lord, and you you care about what we're going through. You care about our physical and our mental health. And Lord, I pray that um, just maybe uh, any of the things that have been triggered or prompted um, by listening to the podcast and in the listeners, I just pray, Lord, that you would... Um, draw near to them lord that you would help people to um seek help if they're struggling to speak more openly and freely with the people who love and care about them and lord that you would help us all to um 
remember to love ourselves um to to remember that you love us that you we are precious to you and you ask us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves and so lord that's a really important part of how we we can thank you for for this life is to look after ourselves and i pray that you would be um helping us to do that that you would help us to speak to ourselves the way that you see us and speak to us and to um move forward um as we come out of this pandemic in healthier ways in jesus name i pray amen 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 thank you so much once again and i know i keep saying thank you but (laughs) this has been so useful um i was wondering just just before we we close this off actually if there's someone you know Shiv and I spoke or we all spoke about we had people to speak to but if someone doesn't have Mm. someone to speak to or if someone wants to find out more about different mental health um illnesses or or whatever what are some of the sites they can go on to or people they can call um I think we'll add this into our show notes as well um yeah so one of the sites I mentioned is mind mind mind.org.uk um and then there's Samaritans as well. Samaritans is a, um, a helpline and um, that is a really helpful one for people um, when they're struggling in that moment. And that's 116123 to call them and they can speak to you about anything really, but um, predominantly mental health. And um, I'd also recommend any, um, wherever you are based, you'll have an IAPT service in your area. So IAPT is Improving Access to Psychological Therapies. Um, And they're basically the NHS portal to getting therapy. Um, But on their websites, so if you search your area and you search IAPT in different places, it's called different things, basically. Um, It will come up and on their websites, they always have lots of information about different types of Um, therapies different types of mental health disorders and also like different resources that you can use for yourself as well that's so so helpful thank you for um sharing those websites and those resources and yeah we'll add them into the description so that people can check them out as well so guys that is us for today if you have enjoyed today's episode and you've you know joined us on youtube we love to premiere live if you're here live right now you know give us a a thumbs up um but most importantly be sure to share this podcast it doesn't matter if you're listening on soundcloud spotify apple podcast wherever be sure to share it with someone because you never know you know who it may impact or there might be someone out there that you know who this can relate to and it can provide them with a, a wealth of wisdom mm. i know for a fact that shay and i have definitely learned a lot today um yeah, so yeah definitely. with that being said um please send in any questions any other topic suggestions to our insta we are at shiv and shay podcast thank you again abs and this is where we do our closing bit and we all say bye in unison (laughs) thank you for listening this is the shift and shape podcast out Bye. Bye. bye